Welcome listeners to another episode of the Fandom Done Right podcast. This is a, a special episode. I did promise that we would try to explore fandoms that we haven't talked about yet. Maybe some that we are not necessarily qualified to talk about. And one of the biggest ones that we have not touched at all is Star Trek. And I decided to bring back a good friend who's been on once on the podcast, but he's coming back. It's Hudson Payne, everybody. Hudson is back. Hudson, welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be here. He's doing a nice little dance that no one can see, but I think it's the best running joke of this summer. So (laughs) (laughs) he's doing things that people can't see. Yeah. Hudson, you're not the person. I, I had watched some Star Trek before meeting you, but you are the biggest Trekkie I think that I know. <laughs> that, that is kind of funny because I don't really, that's not really a term I would use to describe myself, but that, like thinking back, I have seen like most of the content in the Star Trek universe. Which there's so much content that most is quite a bit. Yeah. So, so no judgment. The fact that Jed, that Hudson is willing to even give this a go is is something in, in and of itself. Let's just jump right into it. Sure. Hudson, let's just establish how much of a Trekkie are you? Okay. So uh, Star Trek was my quarantine hobby. Uh, I spent <laughs> a lot of quarantine watching Star Trek because it's, in a way, it was very escapist. You know, the world was kind of like burning and falling apart. And then uh, Star Trek was kind of, at that time, just sort of like a, isn't it nice to think about like what the future could be like? And I think that's one of the reasons that like, I like it so much is because it's like a, it's like a futuristic kind of sci-fi, but it's not dystopian, I guess. It's, you know, it's like a very kind of hopeful thing. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is like what we might be able to do like in the next several hundred years, if we could achieve like interplanetary or like inter like solar system travel or something like that. So it was, it was kind of fun to think about. And, you know, it's fun to just get lost in a series like that. So there's a lot of content there, like we said earlier, and I had a lot of time on my hands. But uh, I started, when I first started getting into Star Trek was a little bit before that, which is sort of like quarantine is like the perfect just like niche for, you know, the explosion of like watching everything like into my life, I guess. So uh, I actually remember when I was about four or five years old, I remember... Uh, we were watching TV and that's when enterprise was on the series that they're making in the two thousands. And, uh, there were all these like crazy looking aliens and space battles and stuff. And I'm like, Whoa, what's the show? It's so cool. And my dad was like, Oh, this is that new star Trek series that they're making. I don't like it very much. It was just like, Oh, okay. And that's, that was the only star Trek exposure I had until, uh, about 2009, I think when they started making the, the new movies. Uh, my movies yeah. So I saw the first couple of those and I wasn't very impressed. And then I remember there was one summer when I was home from college, my dad was watching TV in the evening and there was this channel that just played like Star Trek episodes all the time (laughs) from like 6 p.m. to midnight every night. It was like one episode from every series uh, consecutively. So they'd play an episode of the original series, an episode of Next Generation, an episode of Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then Enterprise. And um, so I kind of got like an overview of like a little bit of every series for like that that's weekend. A wild, that's a wild mix. It is, it is. But, uh, you know, they had all of the timelines going, or I guess like all of the series going at the same time. So like 
one night you would watch the episode that they had on of like Deep Space Nine, and then the next night it would be the next episode of Deep Space Nine, and like you know, so they all were in order just separately. So it gave me a pretty good overview, and uh, I remember seeing like the episodes of the original series, and I was like, why do people, why do people like Star Trek? Because like I know I'm gonna get maybe some hate for saying that, but I just could never ever get into the original series. And uh, I know that some people are like very attached to it, but you know, I think they like it because it's classic and there are some good episodes, but for the most part, it's really kind of campy. It's not, it's not my, I've seen, I've seen a couple episodes of the original series. I would say campy is a good, a good adjective. Yeah. And I think Star Trek, like people have a perception of like the series as a whole because they think of the original series with like Kirk and Spock and Scotty and Bones and everybody and uh, you know just like the really cheesy like fighting and stuff and um, that's like the idea that they have of Star Trek that's like certainly the mainstream of it and probably the best love series like overall is the original series I would guess Um, but I just can't do it and I think it's a little unfair because it's like it paints the rest of the series like a certain the rest of the other series like a certain way, and the rest of them are better produced at least. Like they're a little more modern; they have more leeway. But effects budget, yeah. So uh, that summer, I started thinking like maybe it'd be maybe it'd be fun to get into this. I don't really have like a series that I follow or anything like super in depth. So I. I, I, we tried to watch, I think, Voyager uh, when we were living together, and then we just couldn't get into it because the first, we tried a little bit. Yeah, the, the first season or first couple of seasons, usually of like every single Star Trek series that I've seen, have all been really bad. Like they're hard to watch, and I, I almost gave up like trying to watch them at all. But the summer that I was living with Luke, uh, we started or I started watching uh, the Next Generation. So I just skipped over the original series entirely and I started watching The Next Generation. And I it was kind of rough at first, but then it started getting really good by around like the third season or so. So that was that was the summer I was just uh, on summer staff, so I was sitting at the desk and I would just watch Star Trek at the desk for you know hours while I was just waiting on people to come check in or check out. And uh, yeah, I made it through most of TNG, and then I heard that they were going to do the new uh, Picard series coming out in December or January of that year, so I was trying to get through all of it. Eventually, I did, but then that's when quarantine came, eventually, like right around then. So over quarantine, I finished Next Generation, I watched all of Deep Space Nine, which is seven seasons, and I watched about half of Voyager. So uh, I finished... Yeah, I finished Voyager uh, over the no in the fall, and then I watched all of Enterprise this spring. So it's been pretty recent. It's been within the last couple of years that I've seen most of it. And so you watched Picard as well. Yes, I watched uh, Picard, and also they've had a new series out called Discovery, right. and I watched most of that last February, I think February of twenty twenty. So you definitely have a good working knowledge of Star Trek, I would say. Yeah. I would say they're pretty good. Yeah, I've seen most of it. And we watch Star Trek Beyond together as well. Yep. So 
you can bring in as much knowledge as you have here. Don't have to do any research. But when did Star Trek begin? And, and where did it come from? Yeah, so again, that's like with the original series, which I right. and that I haven't seen. But what I do know about that is uh, Gene Roddenberry was like the creator or producer. And right. uh, they were going to have five seasons. You know, the whole like opening monologue is about like, the Enterprise going on its five-year mission to seek out new forms of life and other species. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. so it was going to be five seasons, and then it was only three. It got canceled, I believe. Didn't even do four seasons in a movie. Yeah, so it went off the air, and then it kind of had a cult following, I think. That's my understanding of it. So they were like, well, let's give this another go. And that's when they started doing The Next Generation, and that was the mid-'80s, I think. So when they started that, 83, 84, 85. I read something, and you can correct me on this, but they did the motion picture for Star Trek right after Star Wars A New Hope, which would be like early, eight, like early 80s, so around the same time. Maybe they brought back Star Trek kind of all at the same time with the first motion picture and next gen. What year did uh, Return of the Jedi come out? Was that 1983? 84. Before, yeah, yes. so I can certainly see them like trying to capitalize on like the whole like sci fi, like, oh, well, now that Star Wars is done making movies, we can make another Star Trek series. Maybe that's what people are interested in now. Well, yeah, and the, like the thing I was reading was actually that Gene Roddenberry and George Lucas like knew each other, and so part of the reason that Gene Roddenberry thought it was a good idea to try and bring it back was because of the success of A New Hope. It was kind of like a it was like a big signal in the sky, if you will, saying sci-fi's back. Yeah. Go crazy. Because all that, I mean, all they had for the last so many years was just that cult following from the original series. Mm-hmm. But I would say Next Gen is the most popular Star Trek series I can think of. Yeah, like, I think it's the most watched, the most seen. And a lot of people, like my, my dad specifically, got into Star Trek on any level because of Next Gen. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad telling me that uh, like he would watch Next Gen when it was on TV and like Deep Space Nine and Voyager, like while they were like airing. And that would have that would have been in the eighties and nineties. But So we'll let's keep working our way through the the series as, as they came out and then we can work on the the, the nasty timeline <laughs> <laughs> after that. So 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 First, it was the original series, Next Gen. They did some movies. We don't have to really get into the movies, but Wrath of Khan is the highlight there from that time period. So I actually haven't seen Wrath of Khan, but uh, I have seen some of the other movies. And I was going to say, Wrath of Khan's got to be the biggest point against you, but people seem to like Wrath of Khan. I don't know. And they did some movies. There was a movie that, like, crossed over with next gen or maybe two movies uh so they did i think five movies with the original series cast and then yeah the sixth movie i think was the crossover with the next generation cast and they brought back william shatner i think right and that's where that's where like kirk canonically dies spoilers it came out in the 90s so that's that's on you uh but that I watched a video that was like talking about the plot of that movie and how it ends, and it's just the weirdest thing. 
Yeah, I I wasn't a huge fan of that one. Uh, some of the other ones with the Next Generation cast, I think were better. Uh, I think First Contact was probably my favorite one of the ones that I've seen. It sort of explores the like beginning of like humans like leaving Earth. So like the development of like warp travel and like making contact with like the Vulcans and things like that. Is that Next Generation cast? Uh, it's next generation. It is set in the past. There's time travel, which Star Trek is kind of bad about because the <laughs> rules, the rules for time travel aren't ever consistent, but they just, they just go with it. So Star Trek is bad about time travel. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things they're most well known for. There's a lot of different movies where, or not movies, episodes where people get stuck in like time loops and stuff and the rules are always different. So just, just don't think about it. That's, that's how I get through them. <laughs> That sounds like a good rule. So next generation's over. What came after that? Well, so part of the big plot or like uh, like overarching plot in the next generation is um, like this conflict with the Borg. And uh, there, the next series that came out was Deep Space Nine, but it was coming out at the same time as Next Generation. So Deep okay. Space Nine sort of starts with uh, this guy, uh, Captain Sisko, who, or well, he's not a captain then, but... Uh, he gets reassigned to the space station, like away from the board conflict because he was like involved with a really big, like space battle and everything. And it was like a very traumatizing thing for him, but he gets reassigned. And then there's deep space nine, which is a whole other series. And it's my favorite, which we can go into more detail about that later, I guess. But that's the one that I was watching during quarantine. And that's the one that I like the best. And then Voyager spins off of deep space nine. Uh, the There's another like subplot going on, and uh, Starfleet sends Voyager out to like round up these people that are in like rebellion against uh, the Federation, and then they get just yeeted across the galaxy. And these or Voyager is about them like getting back. So, and Voyager is historic just because it's the first female captain heading a series. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, I liked uh, Kate Mulgrew's Captain Jamie. And then after Voyagers was Enterprise? Yeah, so after... So... Deep Space Nine overlapped with Next Generation, like, as it was being produced and, like, aired. And then uh, after Next Generation ended, there was a little gap, and then they started airing Voyager. So Deep Space Nine and Voyager were on the same time, too. But when Voyager ended in 2001, that's when they started with Enterprise. And I think Enterprise ended... 2004, maybe? Yeah, I was like, I don't think that one. But it was four seasons. I was going to say, there was a decent gap between Enterprise and Star Trek 1, the J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was certainly a good size. Good size. Great. Now, I really enjoyed the, the new Star Trek trilogy. Well, they're working on a fourth one. They just announced it again for like the third time. Hopefully, loud. I think it will. I think it's one of those Star Trek is like they can just always come back. Like it's not like, oh, it's been too long since we did the last one. Yeah. I think. So they finally got a director and a writer. So I think it's going to happen. Because for a while it was going to be J.J. Abrams and then he didn't come back and then he did and then he didn't. And then he got pulled into another movie that we won't talk about here that came out in 2019. Very last second. <laughs> David didn't hear me say that, but it was very last second. 
And so he, I think just everything that was happening for Star Trek four just got dumped for a ways. And then I think he just didn't come back to it after probably cause how that movie went, that other movie went, but <laughs> I don't know. But the guy who did a uh, WandaVision is like the, he's heading the whole movie and the same cast is coming back. I don't know. So then, so, so let's see. So there's Star Trek one, which was 2009. Uh, Star Trek into darkness was 2013. I think. That sounds right. Yeah. I think it was 13. Uh, I'm pretty sure that beyond was 2016. Yeah. I think beyond was 2016. And so somewhere after, I think it was right after that was discovery. Yeah, so Discovery, I think they started putting out in 2017. 2018, somewhere around there. Something like that. Uh, so there's been three, season out, three seasons out. Uh, the first season was pretty good. The second season was really good. And the third season was okay. Uh, but, you know, that's the first two seasons were sort of prequels setting up the original series. And then the third season... Uh, is set in the very, very distant future, about a thousand years after everything else that's happened for reasons that are, you know, in the series. <laughs> and then they did Picard. Yep. Which follows Next Generation. We'll get back into that later. So Picard, uh, I believe all those came out in 2020. And Picard was really good. There were a few episodes that were it kind of just felt like filler, but uh, I think the overarching like plot in Picard was pretty good, and the visuals were also really good. So, and then also they did Lower Decks. Yeah, that came out what last summer. Yeah, it came out very recently. Yeah, I did watch. I did watch that season. They're putting out another season, I think, in August, and uh, it's okay. It's it's not it's not my cup of tea, but you know, it's it's not bad. I think people find it funny. It's like the, I guess it's Futurama meets Star Trek. A little bit, yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Okay. So, how does, how do these series work in the timeline? Or if you want to go through the crazy timeline that you sent me, we can do that as well. Well, I was, uh, that was mostly just to be like an outline of like what happens or like in universe, I guess. Right. But, Basically, so the Star Trek universe's timeline diverges from our timeline in like 1960-something, whenever this comes out, which Luke and I figured out means that LeVar Burton canonically exists in the Star Trek universe, and so does Jory LaForge. They just happen to look exactly alike. Uh, but anyway, that's neither, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so basically, what happens in the Star Trek timeline is that uh, everything kind of progresses like it would have from the 60s on. Except in the 90s, there's uh, like this really big like global war where they've been like genetically engineering like humans to be like super strong and super smart and everything. So that's the whole eugenics war. And then eventually, uh, I don't know what all happens with that. I think that's talked about in Wrath of Khan. But uh, all of like the uh, enhanced, uh, like genetically enhanced people like leave Earth. And then there's another like huge like nuclear conflict for like. 20 or 30 years or something. So then by the 2060s, like the earth has been like basically completely destroyed. Civilization as we know it is gone. And then um, 
there's this guy in Montana that builds like this rocket out of an old missile that uh, is able to break the warp barrier, which is the speed of light. So then that attracts like the attention of like all these aliens that are like in the area and they start like showing up on earth and they're just like, Oh, Hey, y'all are like, y'all discovered warp travel. That's like what we usually wait for to like talk to other civilizations. So we don't like influence them. So uh, that becomes like the prime directive in Star Trek. That's something that they always like fall back on. It's always a plot device, uh, but basically they won't contact or interfere with the civilization that hasn't discovered warp travel so right. that's a that's a big point of contention in a lot of episodes but that's that's kind of important so then over the next 100 years or so the vulcans sort of like help the humans uh, advance their technology and fix problems like um hunger and like war and disease and they share like all their technology with them except for like the warp technology which is like a big like driving thing in enterprise because in enterprise that's like the first time that humans are leaving earth on their own to like go out into like other solar systems and mess with like other civilizations and get involved with that. So that's sort of like the whole thing around enterprise and then out of enterprise sort of comes the story of how the Federation gets founded, which is like the big government that Starfleet works for and everything. And yeah. So then there's some other like conflicts and things that go on. Like the humans make contact with, the civilization called the Romulans who like split off from the Vulcans uh, because they had like differences or something, but they're the same, they're the same like group of people. And then in the far future, they're like reunited, but that's, that's a big like subplot in next generation is uh, Spock, like trying to get a reunification movement going around this like underground, very secret. And then, yeah. So discovery is about a hundred years after Federation is founded uh, and then there's the original series, which again, I've never seen, don't know very much about. And then the Klingons are like the big like enemies in the original series is my understanding. But in some of the original series movies, they sort of established that the Klingons and the Federation make peace. And then they start kind of working together. And then in Next Generation, there's like the conflict with the Borg. Right and all that and then in deep space nine they're at war with like this galactic empire from the other side of the galaxy called the dominion so a lot of it a lot of it's very like conflicts like military conflicts driven and starfleet like starfleet as much in the series as like like oh we're a peaceful like exploration organization they're really they're really just the federation's military like just getting just like keeping the bases covered you know but but yeah uh so deep space nine is mostly about the war with the dominion and uh, then Voyager gets like sent to the other side of the galaxy, like later that decade. And yeah, and then at the end, or well, after after Voyager ends, um, they're in the. This was introduced in the Star Trek 2009 movie. Uh, so this is kind of like the thing that overlaps in between the two timelines because the the new movies are all in a different timeline yeah but the event that is sort of like the splitting off point is uh, the romulan like the star in like their system supernovas and like destroys their planet and the romulans have been like an enemy of the federation for a long time so a lot of picard is like other ones who are kind of like scattered and homeless like how are they being treated by the federation who's supposed to be like this welcoming society and a lot of a lot of star trek is really written about 
like everything is sort of allegorical. It's like that with any science fiction, but um, you know, in the sixties, a lot of, or some of Star Trek was about like civil rights and women's rights and racism and sexism. And uh, like, those are themes that we see like still throughout like next generation, new space nine and Voyager. Uh, but it's always the subtext of a lot of these episodes is always about like the issues. Of day. So I think like with the Romulans, it's a lot about like, you know, the refugee crises that we have seen like more recently and like, how do we treat marginalized people? But yeah, so that's a little, that's a little overview. It's kind of scattered, but. I think I got it. Yeah. I just like, I love how it's just like, it's not even like, this is a prequel. This is a sequel. It's like, this is at this time. This is at this time. This is at this time. So on and so forth. But it's basically Enterprise, Discovery, the first two seasons, the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Uh, the movies sort of start there, but then the movies are also at the same time as the original series. And then Picard. And then Discovery again. Yes. Mm, very nice. I was like, it's almost a perfect circle of discovery, except Enterprise is just before Discovery. Yeah. There's a lot going on. So that's a, it's a lot love, to keep up with. But we love to see it. Yeah. Let's just do a quick Spitfire question section is what I'm calling it. Favorite ship? That's a hard one. I like... I like the Enterprise from the next generation. Like it's a very like easy like cop out choice. I feel like, but uh, you know it's it looks unique. Like you can you can tell what it is like when you see it. You know. So is the Enterprise in next generation like an updated one from the original series? I guess. Yeah. So uh, there are a handful called Enterprise, and like every time like one is destroyed, you know they build another one called Enterprise. So. Uh, the series Enterprise is about the first of the Enterprise ships. And then, like, the original series, I think, is the third or fourth iteration of the Enterprise. And then Next Generation is the sixth or seventh, because there's one in between that gets uh, murked in one of the movies. <laughs> it's, um, but, yeah, so the Enterprise, uh, I want to say it's the F... They're, they're done by letter, so I want to say it's the Enterprise F or G. I kind of like the... I mean, I just... I'm partial because I like the movies a lot. Like, especially 2009 one because it's the first big dive back into the future film universe and then they purposefully start an alternate timeline. Mm. Like, straight from the get-go. And that's just a funny... An interesting concept to go for to make it still in the universe but at the same time it's not the same thing but the enterprise i mean the effects in those are just great and so i don't know i would probably lean towards one of those two ships but those are the ones i know the best this next generation in 2009 uh favorite captain i'm gonna guess it's picard it's not picard it's Cisco. Oh. <laughs> So, Dang it. Yeah. So Cisco is the commander of New Space Nine, which I already said is my favorite series in the universe. Um, 
but Captain Cisco is like very complicated. I, you know, he makes a lot of like really questionable decisions. You know, Picard is always like crossing his T's and dotting his I's and doing everything like as by the book as possible. But Cisco just does whatever needs to be. Uh, they're at war with the Dominion for most of the series, and Cisco has to make a lot of really hard decisions. One of the best ones, um, or like one of the best episodes in the series, is he basically has to compromise like everything that he believes in about like the Federation in order to save it uh, from the Dominion. The episode is called uh, "In Pale Moonlight." And it is probably the best episode in the entire series, maybe even in the Star Trek universe, I think. But only in the context of like having like watched Captain Sisko go from being like this very like goody two shoes captain to being like this like wizened, like, <laughs> like war scarred, like uh, commander. So would, would you say Deep Space Nine is a popular series of Star Trek? I would say it's less popular than Next Generation, an original series, but uh, I th think if you're if you don't like Next Generation or if you don't like Voyager, then I would say like try Deep Space Nine and see what you think about it. Would you say it's like the number three then? Uh, as far as popularity goes, probably. I don't know. That's a hard thing to gauge. Right. We'd have to have some serious numbers. All right, favorite character that wasn't a captain. Favorite character that wasn't a captain. I'm I'm tempted to say Data. Yes. From Next Generation. Uh, Data is great, and you know, see, I mean, he's he's just so he, he's so naive. He's he's so smart, but he's so naive. And, uh, you know, just getting to see him interact with, like, the absurdity of, like, the rest of the world and being like, oh, well, this doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, oh, well, this is just how we always do things, you know. But, and then he, he, tried, he tries so hard, he tries so hard to, you know, experience, like, what it's like to be a human. But, you know, he can't, he can't feel emotions and he can't laugh. And, uh you know, he's 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 just so persistent. It's really kind of frustrating to watch. But he's he's very endearing. Brett Spiner does Spiner. I don't know how to say his name, but he does a great job as Data. What do you know about the Klingon language? Not much. I know it's on Duolingo. Uh, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> All I know is that they made a Bible, a, a Klingon, Klingon Bible. Bible. Is there, yes. yes. Oh, okay. Is it like a translation of the Bible in Klingon or is it like... It's a translation of the Bible in Klingon. I should have said that. Like the, like the Klingon like religion. Like there's no Klingon religion. This is the Bible. But well, no, in, in, in universe, in universe, there's like a whole Klingon mythology and like Worf is always talking about it. And like saying just like really dramatic things. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's why I had to ask for the distinction. But for like fictional universe languages, I would say the Elvish language, of course, J.R. Tolkien. But I would probably 
say the next most famous one is going to be Klingon, probably. I, I might say that Klingon is more famous than Elvish. I think probably more people have sat down and tried to learn Klingon than have Elvish. But that's just my perception. I don't have numbers to back that up. I have a very important question that I almost forgot to ask you when I was writing down some questions. What do you think about Galaxy Quest? What is Galaxy Quest? What? Okay, like Galaxy Quest is like the parody of Star Trek. Like, like it's, space, it's Spaceballs meets Star Wars, but for Star Trek. I mean, it's but it's not like it's bigger than Spaceballs. Like it had... um. Like Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, they're all in this movie. I'm really curious now to see what you think of it. It's basically the premise of Galaxy Quest is that it's quite literally like if the original series was a thing. Like in this universe, there's there's a show called Galaxy Quest that was in the past like 10 years ago. And it says like Tim Allen with a basically a mullet, and you know it's uh it's got those like iconic lines that they have, and it's like a parody of Star Trek. So in this movie, there is a show called Galaxy Quest, and then you find the actors in the present day, and they get taken by aliens, who have the only thing they have ever seen from Earth is Galaxy Quest, and so they these aliens think that Galaxy Quest is real. And they've built all of their ships to look exactly like Galaxy Quest. And then they need the Galaxy Quest cast members who they think are the Yeah, I'm looking it up now. I see it's on Hulu. Oh, you got to watch it if you have it. It, But they they need the the cast members. They're not playing the... They're not playing the actors that they play. Like, they're playing a different sort of character. But they need them to, like, save them from the aliens and stuff. But it's, it's great. I would say Tim Allen is always great, but Alan Rickman is the, he's the shining star of that movie because he plays the Spock character. Ah. And, and he, he hates I, it. I can see Alan Rickman doing that. And he has like this alien like head thing prosthetic that he happened to be wearing like when the aliens took him. And so he has to keep wearing it, but he knows it's fake. But it's, it's crazy. It's so good. I'll have to it's great. great. But I'm amazed that you haven't seen that. That's good. It, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, so Star Trek recommendations for someone that has, knows nothing about Star Trek. Yeah, I would say the best thing that you could do is start watching Next Generation and skip the first two seasons. So I would say watch season three of next generation all the way through and then season four season five and season six i'd say that that's probably like that will give you a good overview of next generation like those are probably the best seasons three through six and then uh you know deep space nine is a commitment because it's all one plot so really you can't quite start in the middle of it but um there are also like people's blogs and things where they say, Hey, yeah, these episodes of Star Trek kind of suck and you should avoid them. And they're very thorough. Um, 
So that's a good place to start. I know when I was watching Voyager, some of the episodes were kind of dragging, and that's when I started like looking like which episodes of Voyager are actually good. Like which one should I actually watch? Because you know they're the whole plot of the show is we need to find something for them to do for seven years. So they're not all going to be winners, you know. Not every episode is going to be fantastic. And how many episodes are there in a season? About 26, I think. Yeah. So again, that's why this was such a great quarantine project for me. Because, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, but 7 times 26 is a lot of episodes. And they're all 45 minutes. So, Man. Uh, so, so what would be your recommendation for somebody that they might not know anything about Star Trek, but they want to just deep dive into it? head first well if you're really stubborn like me and uh you've got a lot of time on your hands like i used to then i think that what you should do is start with start with next generation and watch all next generation and then watch all deep space nine after you watch next generation and then if you still like it then you can keep going i would say enterprise is better than voyager that might be a hot take but I don't really think it's that hot of a take. Uh, I I don't think I'm ever going to you know be able to like sit down and fully watch the original series just because it's it's a lot to deal with. But also if um, if the older stuff isn't isn't quite doing it for you, then I would I would recommend like watching some of Discovery or Picard and seeing if you like that because those are all I mean those are both very modern TV shows. Now, like Next Generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine were all produced in like the 80s and 90s. So the rhythm of the show is a little bit different. It's slower than what we're used to now a lot of times. And Picard and Discovery are both very recent. So they're a lot more fast paced and there's a lot more action that happens in it. So if you can't, if you can't quite sit through Next Generation, then try some of the newer stuff. And see if you like that. I always wonder about like the... Because I think there's like fans in Star Wars, it's easy to categorize fans. Like, I hate to be, I don't want to be making these comparisons to Star Wars, but just because like there's original series fans, or there's prequel fans, not that many of them, but there are. And, you know, and there's people that like all of it. But with Star Trek, it's like you could be plucking this person out. And if they're old enough, they could have gotten in, in and out at any point in time. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I was a big Next Gen fan, or like, oh, I got in with Deep Space Nine or Voyager, and then I went back. So I was telling you about this a while back, but I remember when Discovery came out only because I was doing like an event at school because I worked for the admissions office, and uh, history professor Dr. Sanders and English professor were talking about Discovery and like what they thought of it and stuff. And like they all thought that it was too, like the pacing was a lot different. Yeah, it certainly is. Like Discovery is very fast paced for Star Trek, but I think yeah. again that that could be one of the things that's keeping me away from the original. The pacing in the '60s was so much slower than it was in like the '80s and '90s, and those episodes are all closer to an hour long. So. Yeah. So the the pilot episode of Star Trek Discovery was the most pirated piece of media in the world really that's interesting mostly Mostly, it's it's pretty good for a pilot to they it's because now it's a little better 
But at the time, it was when CBS was coming out with their own streaming service, but they didn't have anything going on there. Like the only thing, and then they like kind of kicked off with literally, it was, I mean, it was similar to Disney Plus with Mandalorian, but like they didn't have anything. And they kicked off with Discovery. And it was, a, it was the first exclusive. Like everything else was still on CBS channel and on the streaming service. And so no one wanted to get the streaming service if the show wasn't even that good. So I think all the Trekkies were just pirating. <laughs> now it's part of Paramount Plus, which is a much bigger, they kind of merged the two ideas. And so now it's a decently bigger streaming service that I don't pay for, but I have. They've put all of the new series like exclusively on Paramount Plus. So Yeah. And Picard's on there. And I guess all the other Star Trek's on there too. I think it's all there. It's also on, or it used to be on Netflix. I think some of them are still on Netflix. I think, I think, there's, there's, a, I think there's some overlap. There I, mean, will I, think be everything, some overlap. I think everything up to Enterprise is on Netflix. Yeah. The, movie, the movies, I think, are on Paramount Plus. Correct. Correct. Well, I think that kind of wraps up everything that I have. But Hudson, thank you so much for coming on to kind of give us an overview. Uh, just a fun time talking through all things Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, it's been a great time. All right. Well, let me know if there's something else, another universe that you want us to try and get into for an episode or two. I don't know what it'd be. And I don't know if I have anyone friends that know, but luckily I had Hudson in my, in my back pocket for, for a Star Trek episode. So I think it's really fun. We'll see you next time.